from Colorado Public Radio and PRX. This is On Something. I get these emails sometimes. They're mostly from the same guy. He loves the show. But his only complaint is that I often use the word marijuana. So allow me to explain myself a little bit. I made a conscious decision early on not to choose a particular word for the stuff that we talk about on this show, mostly because you would get tired of hearing me say it all the time, but also because I wanted to reflect the fact that many people don't have just one word for it. But marijuana isn't just any word. Over this podcast's brief lifetime, I've actually been asked this question quite a few times. Don't you know that the word is racist? And I wanted to take an episode to really explore that question in depth. Because, yes, I know it's got some baggage. But on the other hand, it is the word that really stuck. But now, in 2021, three years later, as we do a whole season about racial justice, it feels like it's worth revisiting the history that made this word so sticky. So to get started, we went to a dispensary and asked around. Um, do you think the word marijuana is racist? No, I don't. Why not? Being from where I'm from, North Carolina, uh, marijuana was illegal. And if it was to be used, it was used by anyone of all race. And if you used it, you were bad. It didn't matter if you were brown, white, anything. So uh, from my personal experience and what I know about it, I do not think the word's racist. All right, so do you think the word marijuana is racist? Absolutely not. Why not? Because I don't see how the word marijuana has anything to do with race. Okay. You know, if you said to me, do I think, you know, only people who smoke blunts are, are black, that's racist. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so okay. no, marijuana is not racist. That's like saying, is cannabis racist? No, I don't, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any implication whatsoever. Okay. I don't think the average person understands the context of this word. So this is Abdullah Saeed, cannabis journalist extraordinaire. I guess I'm not surprised that a couple of white dudes outside the dispensary are unaware of what words are racist or not in the context of marijuana. He hosts a podcast, Great Moments in Weed History, and a cooking show, Bong Appetit. Here in Seattle, everybody's about craft everything. Well, I'm about to meet the folks over at Craft Elixir. He believes that by any other name, this intoxicating flower smells just as sweet. But please, he says, pick another name, any other name. He argues that this one has been ruined by its history. This is On Something, stories about life after legalization. I'm Anne-Marie Awad. You have arrived at the final installment of our series, Fair Shake, all about the pitfalls along the path to social equity. And to cap things off, we're going back in time, before legalization, before anyone ever even used the word marijuana, specifically to understand the complicated inheritance that comes with that word, marijuana. Truthfully, it's got some baggage. 
And what's in that baggage depends on whose version of history you're reading. So let's dive in. The argument that the word is racist comes from the 1930s, when weed first became illegal in the United States. For more of this history, you could check out the first ever episode of our show. At the time, the word marijuana was used in enforcement and in media specifically because the authorities understood that Americans were very prejudiced in general against Spanish-speaking peoples, Latinx peoples at that time. And their goal was to demonize cannabis. And in order to demonize it, they started using the word marijuana, specifically because it's Spanish-sounding. And they thought that, oh, yeah, if people hear this, they'll hear, oh, this is this, like, bad-sounding, Spanish-sounding thing. And that they'll go along with, you know, the, the, the prohibitionist goals of, you know, thinking that it's poisonous or, or thinking right. that it's evil or dangerous in some way. So basically, Abdullah argues that by calling it marijuana instead of, say, a more neutral term like cannabis, the government and media were deliberately invoking racist attitudes towards Mexicans and then essentially mapping those feelings onto the plant itself— Now, Abdullah is not the only passenger on this time machine. Meet Latin American historian Isaac Campos, author of Homegrown, Marijuana and the Origins of Mexico's War on Drugs. The first reference to it as an intoxicant is in the 1770s, where it's discovered to be the plant behind a kind of mysterious drug that was called the Pipilcincinslis. It was a Nahuatl word that's one of the indigenous languages of Mexico, and it meant most noble of princes. It's possible that it could have referred to any one of three different plants. Which reminds me, this is probably a good place for a disclaimer that cannabis history in general is murky, and historians disagree about origin stories in particular. So this is Isaac's argument based on Isaac's research. So Indians used it in a way very similar to the way peyote was used in Mexico. It was ground into a kind of powder and put into a drink and drunk for purposes of divination to kind of see into the unknown, to commune with the spirit world. And uh, for that reason, it was prohibited by church authorities the first time in the 1690s and then again in the 1770s. Isaac theorizes that the root word for marijuana might have come from this early prohibition. Indigenous people might have done a kind of rebranding, he says, coming up with more Christian-sounding names for sacred plants that were being outlawed by the Catholic Church. Other words like this in the colonial era gradually became Christianized and got names like, um, you know, Mary's Rose and things like that, Rosa Maria, and cannabis, in, in fact, included. So I suggested that the word sounds a bit more Christian, maybe with the word Mari, like Maria, involved. And so perhaps it's a Christianization of these earlier words. But again, we just really don't know where it comes from. All we can really certainly say for sure is that the earliest references are from Mexico, and it certainly comes to the United States from Mexico. And in Mexico, it's certainly considered to be a very Mexican word. If Isaac's theory is correct, maybe that rebranding worked and it kept a low profile so people could still consume marijuana without invoking the wrath of the church. In any case, the next time the word appears is a century later. 
The first reference to the smoking of cannabis comes at the end of the 1840s in a newspaper article, which claims, uh, interestingly, that marijuana was being blamed on an outbreak of laziness in the army <laughs> in Mexico. And then in the 1850s, it appears in more work by nationalist botanists who bring it up again, talk about how it's being smoked in prisons, talk about how it can produce a kind of furious delirium in its users, uh, a kind of you know angry madness. And that's the reputation that really sticks in Mexico for the next you know 70 years until it's prohibited in 1920. So just after the turn of the 20th century, before it even travels to the United States, the word is already loaded up with baggage. By this time, it already had this reputation as an indigenous plant. And anything indigenous was looked upon by the Mexican ruling class as primitive and dangerous. It's here where Isaac started to trace the beginning of this thread that tied marijuana together with stories about laziness, violence, or even madness. It gained a reputation as a pastime of degenerates. According to sensationalist Mexican newspapers of the time, smoking marijuana was the purview of prisoners, soldiers, poor and indigenous people, Actually, in the run-up to national marijuana prohibition in 1920, various Mexican states had already banned its cultivation and sale, even though cannabis was not actually widely used. But it was well known in prisons and soldiers' barracks, which were unsanitary and very violent environments, with hot, probably high levels of mental illness as well, though we don't have good information on that. And so... Most people didn't have personal experience with cannabis, but cannabis was experienced in these environments that produced a lot of violence and a lot of wild behavior. That also contributed to the development of this reputation. Mexico banned marijuana in 1920, the same year that the United States banned alcohol. The force behind that prohibition, the temperance movement, similarly saw the drink as one of society's greatest ills, leading to violence, gambling, and suicide. Alcohol prohibition lasted into the 1930s, and the federal government would create a whole new agency to oversee its enforcement. It's time for the Longines Chronoscope, a television journal of the important issues of the hour. Our distinguished guest for this evening is Harry Anslinger, United States Commissioner of Narcotics. Now, Anslinger is someone we have met before on this podcast. Like I said, you can go back to our first episode ever for more of this history. But here is Anslinger's brief bio. In 1930, he's appointed to run the brand new Federal Bureau of Narcotics. He was well-connected and dogged about his job. And he remained in the federal government in some capacity for more than 30 years, serving five presidents and leaving his fingerprints all over our drug laws. He is perhaps best known as the guy who made it his personal mission to outlaw marijuana. And he succeeded in 1937 with the passage of the Marijuana Tax Act. To get a sense of who this guy was, he was extremely racist. For Abdullah, Anslinger is one of the great villains in weed history. And it's easy to see why. One of the crazier claims that Anslinger made was that black and brown men would use marijuana to seduce white women. And apparently there was no greater threat to the white American public than 
their women falling for black and brown men. And this was something that he harped on. And I think it really speaks to the insecurity that is behind his sort of insane prohibitionist mindset. And then there was the idea that cannabis ruined the minds of young people. Yeah, that was an Anslinger original. That it makes them crazy, that it makes them violent, that it makes them dangerous. There were a number of stories propagated that said, oh, uh, look, marijuana made this person go crazy and murder their entire family, right? And these were completely spurious claims. Very often, someone might have been extremely drunk and committed a violent crime, but if there was any marijuana in the area, they would blame it on on the weed, as it were. So it's probably fair to say that you see Harry Anslinger as a racist? Yes. Okay. Um, Do you think of these views as out of the ordinary at the time? Like, was he in particular racist against Mexican people, or was the federal government racist against Mexican people, and he was sort of uh, falling in line? If you look at the history of the U.S. government's policies, especially at that time, I I think you have to accept that there were a lot of laws and the ethos behind them were inherently racist. Certainly, Harry J. Ainslinger was not an outlier in the U.S. government for being kind of racist, right? However, there also is a level of personal zeal that he seems to have taken in leading this prohibitionist campaign. He really got into it. If you look at this guy, he wasn't just like, ah, I'm just doing my job. He very zealously ran on this campaign and maligned black and brown people, maligned marijuana. But Isaac, the historian, disagrees. He feels like the race argument for cannabis prohibition is overhyped and that there are other factors that explain it. More importantly, he says, when it comes to the word marijuana, no one was using that word as a kind of slur against actual people. It was just a word that came into the American use because of Mexican influence, kind of like the word salsa. Mmm, salsa. After a quick snack break, Isaac elaborates. Hey, it's Anne. I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Listeners like you make On Something possible. Hundreds of thousands of people have listened to our podcast since it launched back in 2019. You've been there with us while we've explored everything from CBD to cooking with cannabis to social equity across the entire industry. It is really humbling and I am so grateful. The reporting, the stories told, and the issues explored You made all of that possible. And if you feel like helping our show, head to onsomething.org and contribute if you can. Once again, thank you so much. Welcome back. We left you on the edge of your seat as we were just about to dive into the meat of the matter. Is the word marijuana racist? To historian Isaac Campos, this question is long settled. Look, I I think sometimes 
If a word has been used to great prejudice against people, the word specifically has been used to denigrate people, then yes, it matters. It's important to think about that history and to probably change the word we're using, particularly if the people involved want you to change the word you're using. Again, I just don't think marijuana fits that bill. I don't think it was, um, it was just a word that came into the American use because of Mexican influence, kind of like the word salsa. Essentially, he says the argument that the word is racist hinges on the premise that marijuana prohibition itself is racist, which he also rejects. He agrees that there was systemic racism against Mexican people at that time. He just doesn't think that this is when it all began. You know, you didn't need cannabis to create an anti-Mexican campaign. There was already plenty of prejudice against Mexicans. You didn't have to add cannabis to that and prohibit it nationwide to to help with that effort. It's almost like a chicken and egg scenario. But whichever came first, the racism or the prohibition, they're all intertwined by now in that word, marijuana. And in the decades since, marijuana is the word that stuck. Abdullah says to him, it doesn't matter which came first. What matters is all that's happened since. We know now that that prohibition was eventually rolled up into the war on drugs, a tradition of policies and perceptions that have disproportionately criminalized people of color over the generation since. I believe that in the modern context, the word marijuana is racist. I believe that the origins of the word were not, were, you know, actually just a cultural product, but I believe the misappropriation of the word in media over the last several decades, almost the last century now, have made it into a racist word, and I believe its use today can be rightfully interpreted as such. What would you say to someone who is Mexican or of Mexican descent who might think that using another word would be whitewashing? Yeah, I think that is a very valid point. The reason that we in the United States see it as a racist word is because of the way it was used by the authorities, right? We could make the argument that by co-opting it, by using that word and by owning it ourselves, we're taking away the power of the people who have been using it to marginalize people of color, right? So... Mm -hmm. I think that would be cool and and I do support it. However, as a brown-skinned person in America today, I live in a certain context of the word marijuana. If you turn around right now and Google this question, is marijuana racist? There's no shortage of articles trying to answer this definitively. But for who? Who's even asking? Who is it that you you see most often engaged in debate about this? Like, who who is it that asks you about this? Is it is it people like me, journalists? Is it students? Is it no? It's people in the industry. Journalists, <laughs> for sure. It's always journalists. Isaac Campos gets calls from folks like me and Abdullah all the time. It's us. We're the ones googling this every day. The call is coming from inside the house from those of us trying to untangle this whole mess for the rest of you. I think the average person probably doesn't really care. And, you know, that's that's just the word that you use for it, you know. But I think that the people who are interested in it are people who value the social impact of cannabis and want it to be 
perceived by the general public in a positive light, right? Like, we don't want to tie cannabis to its messy history in this context today, right? We want to shed all the pain and abuse of the prohibitionist days while still remembering it. Many people in the United States still live under prohibition. As a cannabis journalist, I am far more interested in this question than the average person, right? I, yeah. I, I can't deny that. But to me, the nuance is important, right? Mm. Words matter. I, I mm. truly believe that. And if there's even a, a small way in which we can take a stand, that I, I think we should. Also, talking about the history of the word, right? Even having this discussion, merely asking the question, is it racist, right? And answering it allows us to convey the history behind it. People start asking that question. Words matter. And the way Abdullah sees it, wouldn't you rather travel light? Wouldn't you rather choose the word with fewer pieces of baggage? Less troublesome history attached to it? For a flower with so many names, are you really going to miss one? This is the last episode of our third season, the last installment of our series, Fair Shake, about the pitfalls along the path to social equity. We decided to end with this question because, well, we as a culture are doing a lot of uh, baggage checks, so to speak, lately. We're reevaluating the telling of American history on a broad scale, from the words we use to the statues we build to the perspectives we include in our textbooks. Why stop there? This baggage check alone might take you on a journey to somewhere else. So whether we call it weed or marijuana or pot or whatever, I think all of those discussions are really a lot more symbolic when it comes to the inequity in legal cannabis, right? And that's the real discussion we should be having. And if it's sparked by our discussion of the word marijuana, then great. If that's the first question that someone Googles that leads them into a rabbit hole, that educates them about all the inequities in the legal cannabis industry, then that's great. Because people should know about that because we need to change that. We decided to do a whole season about social equity because 2020 was the year many of us had a kind of awakening. Racial injustice in America became impossible to ignore. And that was a good thing. Now, in 2021, my hope is that hasn't changed. That we can discuss the failures, the devastation, and the sadness. But we can also discuss how we make something better. Many of the activists who made legal weed a reality in their communities were trying to make something better. They had to take a long, hard look at the status quo, flaws and all, and see somewhere in there potential. Legalization is at that kind of midway point now, where we have successes and failures that can teach us a path forward. But people have to be listening. So, thanks for listening. On Something is a labor of love, reported by Joe Erickson and myself. This episode was written by me, 
Anne-Marie Awad. It's a production of Colorado Public Radio's Audio Innovation Studio and CPR News. Today's episode was produced by Joe Erickson and Matthew Simonson. Our editors are Joe Erickson and Curtis Fox. Find a list of all of the talented people who helped to make this episode in the show notes. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. This podcast is also made possible by Colorado Public Radio members. Learn about supporting Colorado Public Radio at CPR.org.